Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. A little bit for kind of following up on what Paul and Brenda mentioned at testimony, which was so powerful, and just kind of talk about finances a little bit this morning, and look at the person next to you and say, this is going to be good. Amen. Sometimes when we say that word, we get all weird in church. But, you know, it's like, oh, money. But just so you know, we, we don't preach on this, but about every three or four months, we preach a message that teaches us how to handle money. And I don't, does anybody in here, by the way, got too much of it? I just want to know if there's anybody that's got too much right there. Okay. We'll, we'll talk after. I want to know what your secret is. Amen. Amen. How many in here could use a little more resources? Right, always use some more. And you know what? The truth is, God wants to bless us more than we even want to be blessed. He wants to put things in our hands so that we can be a blessing to others. I want to give an example this morning that was crazy. I heard this on, maybe some of y'all heard this on the radio, true story. A man uh, had, had a pretty, to me this is a lot of money, but some it would be little, but had about $500,000 in savings and he was terminally ill. And he was getting sicker, and he decided that he wanted to leave his money um, to somebody. But he was thinking, I wonder how many people would show up to my funeral. And so, true story, he put in his will that he was going to give the whole $500,000 to whoever showed up to his funeral. He had no idea who was going to show up. So um, he put that in his will. He passed away, and 400 people, friends and family, showed up. How many have ever thought about that? Who would show up to your funeral? Anybody else had that thought? Like, they're going to show up, they're going to love on me, whatever. He thought that. So he died. 400 people showed up. So every person at the funeral got a check for $1,250. How many would like to go to a funeral and get paid? <laughs> hey, man, that'd be kind of cool, right? Shoot, we ought to get paid to go to a funeral. Hey, Amen. But the sad thing about that is, is this man didn't even, he's dead. He doesn't even know who got the money. Doesn't know, he could have had someone show up that made the wrong turn. And pulled into the parking lot and was bored and went to a funeral, amen, or whatever. But he gave $500,000 to the heir. And the reason I say that is you think about it, I mean, I, I'm, I don't know about you, 1250 I could use it right now. It'd be great. Do a lot with it. But it's not going to change your life. So he took all that money and he gave 400 people that didn't even know who they were money, $1,250, and, and, and that, I guarantee you that's gone fast. So he didn't even do anything with it. All that money saved up just to throw to the wind. And the reason I said that is because the title this morning is, I want to live my life as if everything I have belongs to the Lord. How many want to live that kind of life? So there's your title, living as if it all belongs to God. So here's the news. It does. Everything you have this morning belongs to God, okay? Everything comes from God. Every good and perfect gift, the Bible says, comes from God. So I want to talk about this because this is a principle. We're going to get into some principles here about what, what God wants from us, what he expects from us. But we need to have this attitude that, first of all, it's not that God is trying to get stuff from us. He's trying to get things to us. Okay? He is a good God. He's better than any parent in here. He's better than any generous person you know in your life. He's, he has a heart to give. As a matter of fact, John 3.16 says he loved us so much he gave his whole life. And God gave his only son so that we could be saved. So he's a giver. God is a giver 
not a taker. But in this place, watch this, there are only two types of people. Givers and takers. I hope there's no takers. We're either a giver or we're a taker. That's our character. Now maybe if we are a taker this morning, then this message is going to be for you to help you realize, man, I don't want to be a taker. I want to be a giver. I start thinking, I kind of said this at the end of the message this morning, but if you think about church, for example, if we don't obey the Lord and be faithful with our finances and do what we're going to learn here is what God wants us to do, a lot of people come to church and they get counseling and they get prayer and they get friends and they get family and they get love and they get all these, they get a building to come to and they get all these benefits, but they don't ever give anything. They just take. They're takers. They take from whatever God's got for me. And that's not the attitude. God wants us to be givers. He wants us to be generous, okay? He wants us to have uh, not sticky hands. Amen? And listen, there may be some millionaires sitting in this place this morning. There may be some people who are on the verge of God doing amazing things through a business, an idea, um, all kinds of crazy things. Amen? We were just talking to Pastor Marlon DeAnza last night. Whoever made that invention is filthy rich right now. It was an invention to make your own bed real quick. First of all, let me ask the question. How many of you make your bed when you wake up in the morning? Let me see your hands. Some of you are nudging like you. Okay, if you don't, start making your bed. Amen. But the, the thing is, is that this, this new invention is a sheet that you buy or a comforter that goes on the bed. And all you got to do is unzip it to get in. And when you get out of bed to go in the morning, you just zip it back up and the bed's made. Whoever invented that is rich. Right? So, I mean, there could be an idea. How many have ever had an idea and you didn't do anything with it? And you're like, man, that was my idea. And they're rich. Right? So if you have some ideas, take it and patent it. Go get rich. And let's build a church. Amen. Amen. A bigger church. Amen. Praise God. Here's a few verses. Psalms 24.1. Watch this. That everything, if I live as if everything belongs to the Lord. The earth is the Lord's. And some of the things in it. What is it? All or everything. Everything is God's. So the clothes you're wearing is God's. The house you slept in last night's God's. The car you came in this morning's God's. Everything you have is God's. It's not yours. If we could just change our mentality right now and flip that around and start realizing the stuff I have is not mine, it would be easier to understand the concept of being a giver. Because it's not mine anyways to give. It's God's. And so God it owns me. And he, he runs me and he, and, he, and he administrates me in my life because I have given my life. How many have given your life to the Lord? If you've given your life to the Lord, then everything is his. And so if we get that, in, that mentality, it's going to help us. And it says the world and all its people belong to him. Okay? So that's a good verse. Look at this next one. Um, Hebrews 3, 4. Every house is built by someone. That's kind of common sense, right? This building was built by somebody. Your house was built by somebody. If you're Joe Hudgens, you built your own house. Amen. Some people can do that. Everybody has something they're living in, and it was built by somebody. Okay? But even God is the builder of the person who built. Every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. So even someone who's really smart and really good and really talented and really awesome is not that awesome because God made him awesome. Okay? Everything comes from God. There was these scientists who read the Bible and found out that God invented Adam from the dirt. And so they said, we can do what you did. 
We can make someone from dirt just like you. You know, the technology is pretty crazy right now. It is, right? So they said, we can make a person just like you. So they're talking to God, and they said, we can do it. So God says, okay. He says, go ahead and do it. And they said, well, we just need some dirt. And he said, get your own dirt. <laughs> Sounds good, right? We can make someone from dirt. God says, get your own dirt. He owns it all. As far back as you go, we think that we do something, God did it first. So if I just have that mentality, everything I have is God's, then things are going to be better. Things are going to change. Now watch this next one. Job talked about this a little bit a couple messages ago. He's having this discourse with God. He's going back and forth, and God is talking to him, and his friends are talking to him. And in this chapter, he gets, in a good way, sarcastic with Job. And he gets frustrated with Job, like he probably does with us a lot of times. And he goes, hey, where were you when I put the borders on the ocean? Where were you when I flung the stars in the sky? Right when we start thinking we're somebody, God's like, hello, where were you at? Okay, where were you? So he says, who has, he says this to Job, who has preceded me? Nobody. That's why God is God. Who has preceded me that I should pay him? Kind of sarcastic, right? I love the Bible. I love how God is like, who, who should I pay? You think you're something? Who should I pay? He says, I have preceded everyone, and everything under heaven is mine. Amen. So that's just three of a lot of verses, okay, that shows us that everything's God's. So if that title is, what if I live my life as if everything was the Lord's, what could God do in my life? Right? But the reason a lot of times we don't do that is because we don't understand the, the, the concept that everything is God's. And so that's what I want to teach you this morning because every one of us in here need more resources. We need more resources. We all need, like I said, you raise, no one raised their hand except someone joking, amen, that we need more, that you have everything you need, right? We all need more finances. We all need more resources so that we can do more. It's not that we can just put it, put it aside and have it, but we, we want to do more. Because in this place, we want to do more for the kingdom of God, okay? So the problem is, is we are human and and we are people that say mine. Does that sound familiar? Mine. Some of you have kids. And that sounds real familiar. Mine. Did you have to teach your kid that? Natural. Al natural. Mine. Go back to the nursery right now. Go back to the kids area. If there's any kids that are small and they can talk, they say mine. We're greedy people. We, we say it's mine. It's mine. Everything's mine. And that's the problem. So Timothy was addressed this, Paul addressed in the Bible in Timothy, in 1 Timothy 6.10. And the problem is, is money is the root of all evil. It's not? Money is not the root of all evil? That's the problem, is that money is the root of all evil. I mean, a lot of people misquote the Bible. People say that all the time. Man, money is that, how many heard someone quote that? Money is the root of all evil. But see, if we know our Bible, we know that's not true. He didn't say money was the root of all evil. He said the love of money is the root of all evil. And one of the things that I've been saying for years, that it's just an easy thing to catch, if you'll catch this, is God wants to get stuff to you, and he'll let you have anything that you desire as long as it does not have you. Did you catch that? He will give you that is one of the things that I've seen in the last few years of my life, especially is Psalm 37, 4. It's not in the notes. Commit your ways to the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. 
And so he will give you, if you have desires in here this morning, he'll give them to you and, and you can have things. There's nothing wrong with having things as long as the things don't have you. Meaning if God gives something to you, you realize it's from him anyways. So if he asks for it back, then you're willing to give it back to him. But if you say, no, mine, then something's wrong. Then you're falling into the love of money being the root of all evil. Okay, how many are with me so far? So I'm going to break this down as if you've never heard a message on this before. Make it simple. Because some people try to complicate things. If, if God wants to bless your finances and you want your finances to be blessed and you want to prosper, and more than any of that, you want to be in obedience. Because that's kind of what this series is. If you weren't here Wednesday, make it this Wednesday. We started a five-week series on Wednesday nights about right comes out right. Okay, it was a great start. A lot of people gave good feedback. It's going to be five weeks of right comes out right, okay? And, and our Wednesday nights are really growing too, amen, really growing. We've had, we have great turn, turnouts. We have great stuff for the kids. But this goes along with that of the attitude that, God, I want to do what's right. But a lot of people don't know what's right sometimes. They haven't been taught or they haven't read the Bible or haven't studied it. Or, truth, truthfully, sometimes people just disobey. Or sometimes people just lack faith. Paul and Brenda were mentioning, they loved God. They were going to church, but they didn't understand how important that principle was to actually start tithing. Okay? So I just want to make this simple and elementary. If God gives you, through your job, $10, I know it's a low amount, but I'm not good at math, so I'm staying low. If he gives you $10, then $1 of that is his. But I, I thought all of it was his. It is, but he gave it to you. You need to start looking at your job as from God. And your job is just for you to be a full-time minister. That's another message. You guys are late. Your job is paying you to be a full-time minister. So the job is from God, the money's from God, and then he says, now, I want you to obey me, and I want to see if you'll give me back a tenth. So tithe is a tenth. It's just a tenth. That's what I'm doing, $10. If I get $10, then a then dollar of that is not mine. It's God's. So I give it back to the Lord. Notice I said give back. I give back to the Lord for his work. We're going to see that in just a second, okay? And when I do that, I'm walking in obedience, okay? But the problem is, and they mentioned this at the testimony, is we, we like to do, I was talking to someone this week, and I gave them the verse teaching them on, on giving and being faithful, we like to do what Saul did in 1 Samuel. And this isn't in the message. This is extra. Amen? We like to do what Saul did in the, in, in, when, Saul, when Samuel told him, go and destroy everything. Saul went and destroyed almost everything. Because he thought, I'll do it my way because my way is better than God's way. Yeah. A lot of people with their finances, they want God's blessing, but they don't want to obey God's word. Isn't that interesting? God, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me, give me, give me, give me. But I'm not going to do what you told me to do. I'm going to do it my way. When you do things your way, you get what you can get. But when you do things God's way, you get what God can get you. I'd rather have a little blessed by God than a lot cursed by the devil. Can you, can you, or, or blessed by the devil, however you want to say it. So you get that money, you give it to God. You tithe, it's tenth. But here's, this is important too. A lot of people miss this. It's called first fruits. 
That means when I get paid, I don't get my bills and go, okay, uh, I owe this and I owe this and I owe this and I owe this and I got this. Because here's the thing. If you start doing that, you'll never have enough money. It's very interesting. If you start getting your bills and you get your check, you okay, I've got to pay the phone, got to pay the house, got to pay this, got to pay that. And then you pay it all and you go, okay, now I'm going to tithe. Guess what? You're not going to have enough. Isn't that crazy? You won't have enough. No matter how much you make. It, there was a guy in our church in Costa Rica. Our church was very poor. Most people were very poor, generally. $225 a month, average income. And they, some of them would get the concept of tithing, and God would bless them. And they would have food. They would have money. They would, they would be able to do things. They were blessed because they tithed. And then there was, a, there was one guy in particular who wanted to be in ministry, and he was serving and stuff. And he had a great job. He made at least five times what everybody else made. But guess what? He was always broke. Facts. He was always broke. Because he did not understand the concept of tithing. I sat him down a whole bunch of times. Now, I don't ever sit someone down that just comes to church and go over it because, because that's not what we're about. When people start stepping up and saying, I want to be a leader... When people start stepping up and saying, I want to grow, I want to be a disciple, then, then we'll say, okay, let, let me, let's teach you some things. But we're not gonna, we, don't, we don't like check who does and who doesn't until you become a leader. This guy was a leader. So I sat him down several times and I said, hey, you're, listen, you're making good money, but you're, not, you're, you're always broke. Your car's always broke down. You never have money. You can't. Why? Here's why. You're not paying your tithes. You're not being faithful. And he wouldn't listen. And he, and he ended up leaving the church and everything, but he never got out of that poverty mentality, even though he was making five times more money than everybody else. Why doesn't that add up? Because God's a God of obedience. Right. Obedience is better than sacrifice. For sacrifice, you can throw in obedience is better than your excuses. Or obedience is better than what you think. Right. How many have got thoughts? Like we think, I think this is a good idea, I think that's a good idea. But when we do things our way, we're just going to have problems. So I get my money, I get my, have my bills, I pay my bills, I pay my bills, and I go, okay, oh, I forgot to tithe. So that's the problem. You're supposed to do it first. If God's first, then, then my money should go to God first. That's why it's called first fruits. Then what happens is, watch this. I get paid. I have all these bills over here, and they're still there. But I say, God, you're a God of first fruits. I'm going to take my $10 I'm going to pay my dollar. I have done what I'm supposed to do. Now I've, I'm in obedience with God. Now I'm going to go over here and start paying my bills. And somehow, some way, it's called miraculously and miracle, all of a sudden I find out somehow I have money that I didn't have. And I, I, how does it even add up? Because I'm in obedience with God. Let's look at Malachi chapter 3 real quick. If you've been in church a long time, you've heard this. But I like to joke about this because some people will say, man, they always talk about Malachi chapter 3, but how come nobody ever says, well, they always talk about John 3, 16. It's a, it's a verse that's used a lot. It's only mentioned once, but it's pretty much the summary of the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. But it's funny that in the gospel, gave. The gospel is give. The gospel is that God gave. So why, do, why, does, God, why does God give, but we don't want to give? We can't be that kind of person. We have to, can't have that kind of mentality. So this is the last book of the Old Testament. And he says, I am the Lord, and I am different in the Old Testament than I am in the New. Yeah, that's what it says in my Bible. I am the Lord, and I am, I am the same today, and I'll be the same tomorrow, but I'm not the same yesterday. What does it say? I do not 
change. So he's the same God in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Same God. He, he didn't say, I want your obedience in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, you don't have to obey. I, I want you to give in the Old Testament, but you don't have to give in the New Testament. Because, listen, a lot of you are new converts. A lot of you have never been in church. Some of you have. Churches teach tithing is not for New Testament. It's not, it's not New Testament. That's not for us. And they pick and choose. But it's not, it doesn't say anywhere in the New Testament to stop tithing. So this is a very important verse because it's very clear. How many like clear verses? I like when verses are really clear. So it says, I don't change, therefore you're not, cons- you're not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Pay attention to these verses. They're really good. For yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances. Ordinances means, if you understand what that means, baptism, water baptism, communion, things that we do often, and things that we do continually till the Lord comes. This is an ordinance that we would give our tithes. You'll see it in a second. And have not kept them. He says, from the days of your fathers, you've gone away from my ordinances and not kept them. So he says, return to me. Come back. Come back. And he says, and I will return to you. Says the Lord of hosts. And then he says, but what are you talking about? What, and what should we return? What are you talking about, God? And what's what he says? Will a man rob God? Now, none of us would blatantly say, yes, I would rob God. That, that would be ridiculous. None of us would say that. But if we're not faithful in what God gives us, we are robbing God. That's just the truth. You have to call the kettle black. It is what it is. So he says, will a man rob God? He says, yeah, you have robbed me. In what? What have we robbed you in? Have we robbed you in our prayer time? Have we robbed you in our praise and worship? Have we robbed you in going to church on Sunday? He says, no. He says, you have robbed me in tithes and offerings. Tithes is 10%. Tithe is first fruit. Tithe is what you, is not yours. And I'll get to that in a second. It's not even yours. Offerings are what comes out of your generosity. So tithing is a sign of your obedience, and your offerings is a sign of your generosity. You know, a lot of people say, man, I'm so generous, I tithe. You know what that's like saying? That's like saying, man, I'm so generous, I paid for my food at the restaurant. I'm, I'm really generous. I paid every, every dime. Ooh. But what, what are you supposed to do when you eat at a restaurant? You're supposed to give the server a tip. You don't get a pat on the back for paying for your food. But your generosity comes out of what you give that person who serves you. Because you owe the money to the meal. We, we, don't get, we don't get blessed. A lot of people don't understand this. And listen, I'm, if anybody was here in the first service, I'm preaching totally different than the first service, but it's okay. <laughs> so, so for you that are here for both services, you get two different messages. So it's totally different because now I'm realizing that God is, God is, or sorry, a lot of people think that God blesses them because they tithe. There is a blessing to that, but that's not where the real blessing comes from. The real blessing doesn't come just from being obedient. The real blessing comes from the generosity of your offerings. What you give that's yours. Because according to tithe, that 10% is not mine. So it's, again, it's like going to the restaurant and being cool. You're, you're awesome because you pay for the meal. No, the, the, your generosity shows what you give the tip. So your offering is, your, is, your, is what's come, coming out of your heart towards the Lord. Okay, So keep reading here. He says, will a man run God and tithe offering? You are cursed with the curse. For you have, and a lot of people are like, hey, don't say that curse stuff to me. Nah, nah. I'm just reading the Bible. I'm just reading the Bible. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now, this is where it gets good. Bring all the tithes into Jimmy Swaggart Ministries. 
Bring all the tithes into 101.7, the radio. Bring all the tithes into whatever charity you want to give to. So that's a lot of people do with their money. A lot, a lot of Christians even. They, they choose where they want to put their tithe. And they wonder why they're not blessed. It, where does it say? Where does it say there that we're supposed to tithe to? What's the storehouse? The local church. The local church. That's, that's where our tithes go. You can give offerings to the ministry. You can give offerings to 101.7. You can give all those things are fine. You can put offerings wherever you want. But your tithe belongs in the storehouse. Because if we don't have people doing what they're supposed to do, we couldn't have seats to sit on. We couldn't have lights on this morning. We couldn't have a building to sit in. We have to, we have to bring it to the storehouse so the church can exist. It's biblical. Now, here's what's cool. God is so awesome. He doesn't just sit there and say, pay me what you owe me. Like he could. He says, if you will do this, he says, matter of fact, I'm going to do something I haven't done in anything else in the Bible. I'm going to tell you, you can test me in this if you want. Doesn't the Bible say don't test the Lord? But in this, he says, listen, I'm going to open up this fair game. He says, this is something that's really important. And I t he talks about it 800 times in the Bible, by the way, money. A third of the parables are about money. Why? Because money is spiritual. Show somebody, that, show somebody, look at somebody's generosity and you'll see their heart. Am I a giver or am I a mine? Mine. Right? So he says, test me in this that, and, and, uh, and try me and watch what he says and see if I don't open the windows of heaven. And pour out on you such a blessing that you won't even have room to receive it. Won't even have room to receive it. Okay, now here's the cool thing. I want to just hit this and move on. It's awesome what God does here. And I believe totally that Jesus even said, if you've left house, left family, if you've given up houses, if you've done anything for me, there's going to be a return on this earth. But it's not just about what I'm going to see on this earth. There are blessings on this earth. But every single time you give to the Lord and every single time you obey and tithe and give offerings, you are giving money to an eternal bank account that has lots of interest. Come on, church. I'm serious. Lots of interest. You, you can't go anywhere and find a good enough return on your finances on this earth. You go to a bank and, and you're going to get 3.5% interest. Nothing. It's, it's, it's horrible. You can go find, there's places you can put money and it, it will grow, but it will grow like molasses in January. They don't grow, amen? It just sits there. But when you, listen to what the Bible says, when you put your money in the kingdom of God, he says he'll give you a 30, 60, or 100% return. That's a lot. So don't be so uh, heavenly minded that you're, or earthly minded that you're no heavenly good. You've got to understand that what you're doing here is doing something there in heaven. Okay? So he says, test me. Now watch this. This is key. This might be one of the most important parts of the whole message. He says, and if you do this, okay, if you give your first fruits, if you do what you're supposed to do, if you obey, if you give me back what I gave you, I will rebuke the devourer. Bible says Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to destroy your finances too. If we don't have finances, we can't do anything for the kingdom of God. We can't have a church in, in Arusha. We can't start a church in Keller. We can't start a church. We can't have a church in Carrollton. We can't have a, a church in, in Grapevine. We can't, we can't have a church in Costa Rica. We can't do anything if we don't have finances. 
So the, the devourer just, just, just do whatever he wants because he wants to take it all. But he says, if you'll do this, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Nor shall the vine foot fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Church, when you are not tithing, and this is where you, this is important, don't be the person past today that, that tips God. That says, because even, it can even be erroneous. Some people say, it's funny they say it, they say, well, I tithe here and there, I'll tithe 10, I'll tithe. You're not tithing, you're giving an offering. Are you listening? Tithe is 10% of your income. So if you make $100 and you tithe a dollar, you're not tithing. You're giving an offering. Do you see that? Don't call it what it's not. Tithe is a tenth. And so I want to be precise in that, and I want to be sure of that, and I want to make sure God gets what's his, because I understand that I live in a fallen world, and there's a lot of problems I know nobody in here ever has their car break down. I know nobody in here has tires go bad. I know no one here has their battery not start. I know no one, nobody in here ever has food go bad. We know, I know none of us have those problems. That's what the devourer does. The devourer comes and attacks your stuff. If you are not tithing, God cannot rebuke the devourer. His hands are tied. And so you say, God, you said in your word that you would rebuke the devourer for me. And God says, yes, and I said in my word that you need to give me the tent that you owe me. And so since you don't, my hands are tied. Just like a parent would say to a child, you're not obeying me. I'm not gonna give you what you're asking for. But a good parent, when their parents, when their kids are obeying, wants to give them everything they have. Take it, blessings, blessings, because they're obeying. If they get to that place of disobedience, they stand, nope, I told you I, wouldn't, I wasn't going to do that. So that's God's heart. So we, the devourer is trying to get our stuff, but when I'm tithing, watch this, he rebukes the devourer. He protects your stuff. He protects your resources. And some of you, I see the cloud above your head right now. I see the eye cloud. I see the Samson cloud right now above your head. You're saying, I still have pride tithe and I still, my car broke down. Here's the difference. Your car was going to broke down, break down whether you were tithing or not. Because cars break down. But when you're tithing, money comes from a supernatural source and takes care of the car. When you're not tithing, God can't help you. So you've got to figure it out yourself. I can tell you from not as many people as my dad in 50 years being said, I can tell you from 27 years of experience. Carl and I were talking about this this week. Never. Say never. I can say this without lying. Never has God failed me. Never. And I can also say something else, and I can say this with all honesty. In my own, as far as I know, I'm not, I'm not saying I couldn't have made a human error, but as far as I know, I have never missed a tithe. As far as I know, human error aside, I've been a tither for 27 years. On every dime I've ever gotten, and hopefully way more. Hopefully, there's been times in my life I've been at, at, in, Costa Rica, in conference as a missionary. Listen, I'm just finishing with this because it's not just the tithe. You want to get to where you have, and I'm not tooting my horn or nothing. I'm just telling you, God wants to get you to a place where you step out of faith on things. 
There have been times that I've been at conference and I get an honorarium for preaching and I, and, and, and I preach that week and, and on Thursday night of missions night and I'm a missionary and I need to buy clothes for my kids and I need to do all these different things and God would say, put that check in the offering for missions. I needed that money. He didn't ask me for my tithe because I was going to give him my tithe anyways. He said, give me the whole check. I'm not saying that to toot my horn. I'm saying that he said, test me in these things. You can't look at a person's life and see blessings in their life and think it happened by accident. Blessings don't happen by accident. Blessings happen by doing the right thing and having a heart that's generous and a heart that obeys. Going back to the title of the sermon, what if I live my life as if everything was God's? If I look at it that way and I get an offering for preaching and God says, give that back to me, I say it's yours anyways. Sure, take it back. But what God does, and it's not a, it's not a let's make a deal. It's a, it's a, I don't even know if I said this, this message or last message. Honestly, commit your ways to the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. So then he starts, blessings start coming and overtaking you. They start, they start getting in front of you. And then you just get to this place where you just simply trust God. And if he says, I've had times where God, I've had a vehicle. We, we, me and Carla brought a brand new vehicle in Costa Rica. Brand new, plastic on the seats. Never been driven. Six months after we bought it, God said, give the car, sell the car back. You know why? Because he was testing me. Sold it. Got rid of it. I could have had that car, but God was testing me. I could go on and on and on. Times where he says, sell your vehicle. Give your vehicle. Give that money. Time and time again. I want to be in that place. If God tells me to give something, here, it's not, it's just, it's not mine. Isn't it weird that he would ask us to give something that's ours anyways? His anyways? And we go, no, mine. It's not ours. If you get to where you see that it's not yours, it's not that hard to give it back. Have you ever seen the picture of Jesus? And he's holding this humongous stuffed animal behind his back. And the little girl's got this little tiny stuffed animal. And Jesus has got his hand out and he's asking for the stuffed animal. And that little kid doesn't want to give it to him. But she doesn't know that behind Jesus' back is a much bigger, much more awesome stuffed animal. If God ever asks you for something, he always gives back more than he asked for always I promise you always because he's a blessing God he's a favored God he's a God that loves us amen so as you close your eyes this morning I'm going to read you one verse whoever has to him will be given more and he will have abundance whoever does not have even what he has will be taken away listen to that again that's Matthew 13 12 whoever has to, more, to him more will be given and have abundance. As you're, as you're praying right now, we, there, I, there can't be anybody in here that doesn't want abundance. Who doesn't want abundance? Not abundance of problems, abundance of resources, abundance of finances, abundance of, of things that you can use for the kingdom of God. He says you'll have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away. I want to be that person that God looks down and says, that's a person I can trust and I can give that person more because they've been faithful with little 
And then the last verse is 2 Corinthians 9.6. You've heard it a lot of times, but maybe not in this light. I say this. He says, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. God's a God of math. He's a God of numbers. We can't expect to, to, to be selfish and, and expect God to be generous. Because he says, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, but he who sows generously will reap bountifully and generously. I know I told you to pray, but look up here for just one second. I want to ask you a question. How crazy would it be if you were hungry? Think about this. And you wanted whatever, whatever fruit you like, okay? Apple, mango, whatever. I always say mango was the fruit that they fell with. Adam and Eve fell over a Costa Rican mango. It was not an apple. It was a mango from Costa Rica. That's just my story. But you apple, mango, steak. I know steaks don't grow on trees, but whatever, okay? Lobster, chocolate, fried chicken, whatever. You want, you're hungry and you go outside to your yard and you, and you, you go grab, you want to go grab an apple from the tree that you never planted. I'm going to go get something to eat. And you walk out and you expect to see a tree and you expect to grab some fruit, but you've never sown a seed. Does that sound crazy to anyone? Does that sound impossible to anybody? That's what a lot of Christians do. They don't sow seeds, but they want provision. Oh, that was good. They don't sow seed, but they want provision. It's ludicrous. Or throw it around. How ludicrous and crazy would it be to sow seed and then not go out and get it or not expect a tree to grow? If we sow, we should expect a return because that's God's principle. It's not let's make a deal. It's not open up your Bibles to Psalms 116.63 and the Lord says to me today, that you should add a decimal or a number to that 116 and you should give $116.63. A lot of people do that. Televangelists do that. It's a mockery of God. It's not God. He's not let's make a deal. He's not, he's not a genie. He's a God of principles. And if I'm obeying him, he is going to rock my world with blessings. Because he said it in his word. I'm not making it up. He said, I'll pour out blessings upon you you can't even contain. How many believe that this morning? That's what his word says. Now, as we pray, how many in here, not to, not to make me happy, but to be honest, how many have seen what tithing and faithfulness to God in your finances does? Right? Am I lying? Now, if you haven't, you can. Today, you can say, I'm going to start making sure that I'm a first fruit person. Father, I pray this morning as we close, every man, every woman, every teenager, that you teach us this morning from your word that it is really your goal, your plan, your will to provide for us, to bless us, to, to pour out blessings we cannot contain. But you're a God of order. You're a God of obedience. And obedience is better than sacrifice. And Father, in this place, as we read your word, we see that you're a giver. You're not a taker. So if you're a giver and we're made in your image, then Lord, we want to be like you and we want to be givers. We want to be cheerful givers. We want to be 
people who live in obedience. We live in a fallen world. We have problems. We, we have lack sometimes, but you provide. You said many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us from them all. As we pray this morning, we're going to shift in just a second to a different prayer. But how many in this place are here right now and you've never accepted and received the love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ? The gift. The gift. The Bible says that the, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Maybe you're here and, and you... You've never said, Jesus, I want to accept you into my life. If I had a million dollars on this pulpit this morning, I can't imagine one person in here saying, nah, I don't want that. Everybody would accept that. Accepting Jesus Christ and his forgiveness is priceless. Can't even put a money on it, a, a number on it. It's priceless because it's your soul. It's your eternity. If you could get a glimpse of what heaven looks like today. If you could get a glimpse of what hell looks like today, you would say, God, I, I accept you. I accept the gift. The bottom line is he gave that gift, whether you receive it or not, he gave it. He gave it willingly. For whosoever would call on his name, they'd be saved. Right before we change direction, how many in this place would just say, Pastor, I'm, I'm here, and I've heard this message, and I've heard the gospel, and... and and I know in my spirit right now, because my spirit's speaking to me, that I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. I need a change. I need to make things right with you. I could never pay you. I could never make it right on my own, but you made it right on the cross. And I want to accept that this morning. Would you just lift your hand? Amen. I see your hand. How many more? That's me. I want to accept that gift, that free gift of salvation. I want to say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me, transform me, change me, make me a new creation. I know I don't have it all together, but I know you'll put me together as I come to you. I'll come just as I am, and I'll give you my life, and you'll change me. Just like you've changed so many people in this place this morning. Just like you changed me. How many more? That's me. Just lift your hand up. Amen. I see your hand. God bless you. How many more? If you walked out of here today... Would you stand before God as a, as a judge, a righteous judge, or would you stand before God as your Savior? It's your choice. God made a way. All you got to do is accept it. Say, yes, God, I receive it. The Bible says, he who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says, if you confess your sins, say, I'm a sinner, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all your unrighteousness. I'm going to wait just a second more. How many more? That's me. Pray for me this morning. I want Jesus to come into my life and transform me and change me. Maybe you're here and you're, you've backslidden. You knew the Lord at some point in your life. You believed in God. Things didn't go the way you thought they'd go. And God's been getting too much of the blame. Today you need to come home. You need to come back and say, Lord, I, I, I knew you at one point, but today I don't know you. I'm coming home. How many can say, that's me? Just lift your hand up. Put it right back down. Amen. Amen. The presence of God is here this morning. His spirit is here to call, to draw. The Bible says we can't be saved unless his spirit draws us. 
He's drawing. He's knocking on the door of our hearts this morning. He, he tells us that we need to change. He shows us what's wrong in our lives. As we stand to our feet, I'm going to quickly ask if you, if you raised your hand and you meant that this morning and you're willing to say, God, I, I don't have it all together, but I know I need to change. I know I need to surrender. One of the things that we try, we don't do good at it a lot of times, we try is to make sure you all understand that, that being saved is not the easiest thing in the world to do. It's not easy to walk for God. It's, it, the, matter of fact, the Bible says it's a narrow road. So we're not telling you it's all going to be perfect. Lots of pain. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers us from them all. The Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. The, 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 the difference between being saved and unsaved is protection. Covering. And a way out. Before you knew Jesus, you had the same problems you have now. You just have a way out now. You have a comforter. You have a healer. You have hope. Before it was just problems. And it's just going to get worse. But now you have someone you can call on. You have a way maker. You have a defender. You have, you have an intercessor. You have an advocate. That's the difference. You, still, you had problems before. You have problems now. You have problems next week. But we have Jesus with us now. So standing by our side. So if you raised your hand quickly, just step out. I'm going to pray for you this morning. Find the nearest aisle. Just step out and come down here. I want to pray for you. Say a sinner's prayer this morning. All over this place, several hands went up. Someone will come stand behind you. Amen. Come on, let's give them a bigger hand this morning. Amen. That's important. Amen. Praise God. Let's say this prayer. Let's say this prayer from our heart. Everyone in this place, Lord Jesus, thank you for your love and your mercy. Even though we're talking about money today, we're really talking about giving. And you gave everything. You gave your whole life so that I could have life. And I accept that this morning. Jesus, forgive me for running from you, from doing my own thing. Change me. Transform me. Wipe me clean. Wash me clean. Take my past away and make me a new creation. I believe with all my heart you died on the cross for me and my sins and you rose from the dead to defeat death so I could have life. Please write my name in the Lamb's book of life. And from this day forward, I'm going to put my life in your hands and I'm going to trust you and I'm going to let you teach me through your word so I can be an overcomer and I can live my life as if you owe it all, as if it's all yours. Take my life this morning. In Jesus' name. As we're staying in this attitude of prayer, we're going to sing a song in just a moment. There's many needs, there's many directions, there's many things going on in our lives. I don't know what you need prayer for. But I know that money is a big thing. And I know it's an issue that God wants us to work out in our lives with God and, and with Him. And if we're, not, if we're not being faithful in that, the cool thing about God is He's a God of new mercies. And you can make a decision right now and say, you know what, I've been tipping God. You don't have to tell anybody. 
Because God knows anyways. But you can say, God, I've been tipping you. I haven't been giving you what's yours, and I'm going to start. And I've seen so many times where people have, just by making that statement, God begins to move. Because he sees the heart. He weighs the intentions of the heart. And, and there's a difference between making a mistake and forgetting or something like that and just saying, ah, I can't afford it. Because there's an old saying that's really true. You can't afford not to tithe. That's the truth. People say, I can't afford to tithe. You can't afford not to. Because that devourer is seeking whom he can destroy. Every time I have a problem, the cool thing is, watch this. When I, when I have a car breakdown or something, whose car is it? Is it mine or is it God's? So I tell God, hey, I got to get from point A to point B. I'm your servant. And your car is broke down. And so if you want me to do your will, and you want me to go to work, and you want me to have life, I need you to fix your car. Because it's his. Kind of an interesting thought, huh? It's his car. But if it's mine, then I got to figure out how to fix it. But if it's God's, I say, God, listen, I paid my tithe, and I don't have any money to fix this car, so I've done my part. It's your vehicle. Be God. And guess what God always does? He bees God. I don't know if that's Texas or what, but but y'all got it, right? He bees God. Amen? Doesn't he? Does he or does he not? He he bees what he is. It's getting worse. Let's sing. Altars are open this morning. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.